So the, our good bishop, Bishop Kagan, <clears throat> has written a pastoral letter. Uh, maybe you've seen this around. We have them available. It's called, It is the Lord. And it's in reference, so, so this, you know, the past, last year, this year, and the next year is what their USCCB, the Conference of Catholic Bishops, is calling the Eucharistic Revival, right? So a greater understanding of the presence of the Eucharist, the power of the Eucharist. And so Bishop Kagan wrote this letter basically on the Eucharist and on confession. It's a very, uh, very well-written book. I really like it. It's only about 10 pages, which is my style of book. It just doesn't have any pictures. That's all, the only thing it's missing. But I highly recommend that you read it. And he told us that we had to spend at least one weekend speaking on this uh, pastoral letter. So I have been procrastinating and I don't want to give up any of the weeks of Advent. So I'm going to uh, speak on it this weekend. The bishop speaks very eloquently of the, the two sacraments, and you can read that in the first part. The second part is what he calls the practical considerations. So these practical considerations are broken up into six different considerations, right? And I just want to go through those six, and then there's three for the sacrament of confession. These are very basic, um, but it gives the, the bishop gave us an opportunity to speak on this. I think that needs to, be sp- needs to be spoken on. And for the record, if you don't like any of this, it's not me. Right? This is the bishop. You can take it up with him. So the first practical consideration, he says, is uh, be on time and don't leave early. See, our, our bishop's very blunt. It's very black and white. This is not hard to understand. Be on time and don't leave early. Uh, for Sunday Mass, for weekday Mass, to be on time shows reverence. It shows that you respect what you're coming to. Now, I get it. Like, you're going to have problems, and it's going to happen occasionally where you're not on time. I remember my, my cousin, they had triplets, and they brought the triplets to the wedding, little, little babies, and they were all dressed in little tuxedos. And everybody's like, oh, that's so cute. And she's like, yeah, you know, it was even cuter is when the first one pooped his pants after the last one was dressed. You know, so like that, I get it. Like stuff happens, you're going to be late. But if you're consistently late, there's something wrong. Or you're consistently leaving early. It just shows a lack of reverence, okay? Number two, dress appropriately. We have definitely gotten away from our Sunday best. And I remember I had to, my parents made me wear at least something with a collared shirt and nice pants. And we've gotten away from that. Partly I blame that on the culture. We live in a culture of ease and comfort. So sweats and t-shirts, like if I can wear that any time of the day, I want to wear it all the time of the day. The only time we really get dressed up, I think, is for weddings and maybe like big business things, meetings, interviews, whatever. This is way more important than that. And for the record, you know, being, being early and not showing up late, like I was thinking about this. If I said next week, the first hundred parishioners that walk through that door when I open the door at 8 a.m., I will give $1,000 to, you'd have no problem being on time. You'd be here, you'd probably be here early. Some of you might even stay overnight to make sure that you can get in the door. What does that say? It says that we value the things of the world more than we value the things of God. So, just, uh, you know, and another thing to think about is this is what we call the wedding feast of the Lamb. The wedding of heaven and earth. The consummation of heaven and earth. So you are coming to a wedding. Please dress appropriately. Third, do not carry on conversations in the main body of the church. 
Now, the bishop, obviously, is saying this for all churches. You understand, our church is kind of difficult because we just have a little space out there. And during the winter, the breezeway is freezing and outdoors are freezing. But try to keep in mind that people might want to pray in the main body of the church. Before Mass, obviously, but even after Mass. And I encourage you to pray after Mass for a little bit. If you're going to converse, have it out in the gathering space. Fourth, his fourth point can be summed up as this. During Mass, we should try to do everything together. What does he mean by that? The responses to the prayers. The cadence should try to be one cadence. We, he says, Father, I wish they were one as we are one. And so when we stand, when we kneel, we do it together. When people get ahead in the prayers, behind in the prayers, some people are standing when they're not supposed to be standing, sitting before they should, it just causes distraction. The point of the Mass is to stay focused and to do it together. Five, the exchange of the sign of peace, which many of you have been asking me relentlessly about. Uh, The sign of peace, the bishop recently said that he will be reinstating the sign of peace on the great feast of Christmas. So when Christmas hits, uh, you can start doing what you've been doing for the last four months when my back's been turned to you. You've been doing a great job of it, though. Like, I highly recommend you keep doing what you're doing because it's almost like you're hiding it. (laughs) Because as soon as I turn around, I just hear this like shuffling. So people are obviously doing something. But that's the beauty of it. See, the reason I don't really like the sign of peace is because what follows the sign of peace? What what immediately follows? Huh? Communion. And so if that is the center and the high point of the Mass, right before that, you say the peace of the Lord be with you always and with your spirit. And what happens? Chaos. People are reaching over other people, backslapping. Hey, we going to Denny's after this? Like, how is that a good preparation for the Eucharist? And so what the bishop reminds us is, yes, I am going to reinstate the sign of peace. But when you do it, it's a very calm, quiet, recollected, sober sort of exchange of graciousness. And so your family, the people maybe directly behind you, you don't have to go all over the place. No back slapping. A simple, you could even just kind of give them a head nod, you know? Nice and quiet and reserved. Sixth, and finally, is the reception of Holy Communion. This is just going to be very, very practical. I don't know if there are two ways to receive in the Catholic Church. You can receive on the hand or on the tongue. If you are right-handed, I'm going to show you this. Pay attention. If you are right-handed, your right hand goes beneath your left hand. When I place the body onto your hand and let go, then you take the body, pick it up, and receive it, and go your way. If you're left-handed, your left hand will go on the bottom. The church fathers talk about this. This isn't just like a way we picked like willy-nilly about how to receive the Eucharist. They say, you're building a throne for the King of Kings. So that's the first way. The second way is you can receive on the tongue. Now, if you receive on the tongue, all you do is come forward, open your mouth, and slightly stick out your tongue. You don't have to go after it, because you'll end up eating my hand. You know, if you're super tall, don't like, you know, like, because then, you know, the deacon and I are, I'm not that tall. So help us, help us help you, right? It's a very, and you also have the option of standing or kneeling. If you kneel or stand, try to come as close as you can to me. One of the hardest things for us is that when somebody kneels down to receive and I got to walk up to them 
for them to receive. Also, we're going in the, we, in, just in the past, I don't know, a month or so, there's been a couple times that hosts have dropped onto the, onto the floor. And I don't know any other analogy for this except like if you're a military man and the flag was on the floor and people are just walking all over it. And it's way worse than that. So we're going to do everything in our power to stop that from happening. And so because of that, also part of our Eucharistic revival, right? Understanding the Eucharist better, we're going to institute the patents, the Eucharistic patents. The servers will be using these. You don't have to do anything. They are going to simply put it under your hands when you receive or under your chin when you receive on the tongue. And I told him, I said, hit him in the throat, right? <laughs> like not, not smash him, but... Like, make sure it touch. So if it touches your throat, they're in the right place, right? And wait and receive. And when it moves away, you can move. It is going to slow down reception of communion for sure. But here's the thing. That's the height of the mass. That's what we're here for. It should be a little bit slower. It should be a little bit more reverent. And so those are the things. And the last thing is with gluten-free. Some people need to receive gluten-free. That's fine. What we found is everybody's like, they'll they'll point at it, they'll come up and they'll say, gluten-free, please. Or, you know, I know there's a variety of different ways. One hand over the chest. If you put one hand over your chest, right? Two hands over your chest says, I'm not receiving communion today. One hand says, gluten-free. And then the last thing is, if you, some of you have a very pious, and it's beautiful, you hold your, you fold your hands to receive communion. If you do that, when we have the Eucharistic patents, you kind of have to put your hands down a little bit. If you have them right here, it's not going to work. So just try to be conscious of, of, of these uh, variety of different things. So all of this is just to do it more beautifully, more reverently. All right, confession. Three parts, to, three considerations under confession. Number one, always prepare yourself. You should always come in prepared. We're going to have examination. We've had them. They're, all, they're out now. The examination of conscience. I'll have new ones out for the beginning of Advent. We're going to add extra uh, confession times during Advent. But a good examination of conscience where you go through the Ten Commandments, the corporal works of mercy, the spiritual works of mercy, the Beatitudes, all of the things that we struggle with and we also succeed with. So please prepare yourself. Second, when you come into the confessional, you have two options. I don't think a lot of people know this since COVID. You can go face to face. Okay? You can sit down face to face or you can kneel behind the screen and go to confession. When you begin, you make the sign of the cross. You tell the priest how long it's been since your last confession. And then you confess your sins. Be specific. Don't be vague. To be vague is not honest. Like if you come in and you say, I struggle with honesty. I don't, does that mean you lie? Does that mean you lie to your spouse? Does that mean you lie to your boss? Does that mean... You're cheating? Does that? I don't know. So be specific. I came up with this line, and I, I think it's from God, because when these cool lines come to me, it's not me, it's him. And then I, I, it rhymes, too. You ready? So what you don't reveal, God can't heal. Huh? <laughs> All right, yeah, right? That's good stuff. So here's the thing. What I've noticed is... To reveal some of the, the, more, the more difficult sins is very embarrassing. It can be, for sure. But I have found that that is also the case in the medical world. And I'm going to be the first, because it can be embarrassing for people. I'm going to share an embarrassing story of myself in the medical world where I had to be very honest. Okay? When I was over in Rome, I worked, one of my uh, outreach programs for the seminary was I worked in a homeless shelter. Mother Teresa's homeless shelter. It was incredibly dirty, a lot of disease, a lot of sick people. 
Well, I developed like this rash that was around my, the back of my waist. And then I thought no big deal, but it kept getting worse and it was migrating down to my butt, right? And I couldn't get rid of it. And so I'm like, eventually I'm like, I got to go to the clinic. So I go into the clinic, I sit down, the nurse comes in, she takes my vital. She's like, the doctor will be in shortly. I'm like, great. Five minutes later, the door opens and there is like a 26 year old blonde Italian model that walks. And I'm like, oh no. I'm like, are you the doctor? She's like, What's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> I'm fine. She's like, well, I mean, are you, there's, you got it. There's a reason you're here. And I'm like, wow, well, I just don't feel good. No, it's all vague, right? I don't feel good. Well, what, what's, are you, are you in pain? Do you have nausea? And I'm like, you know, it's just not a good day for me. <laughs> and she's like, well, if you don't tell me what it is, I can't help you. And she's like, where does it hurt? And I'm like, Here? So here's the thing, like, so what's the point? The point is, is I had to at some point either walk out with the pain, with the thing that I had, or I had to humble myself and tell her exactly what was wrong, which is what I did. And it was incredibly embarrassing for me. But guess what? She's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. Prescribe something, gone. That's the way confession is. If we're honest, if we humbly submit, that we're not embarrassed. You guys, I am not there to judge you. I don't care what you've done. What I care is that you're reconciled to God. That you're in the state of grace. And my fear is, because our confession lines aren't nearly long enough, is that we have way more people living in the state of mortal sin than we have living in the state of grace. And it is almost impossible to grow in the spiritual life. Unless you're in the state of grace. So please, I encourage you, don't be afraid, don't be embarrassed. Just come in. I know it's tough. That's what people sound like coming into the confessional. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's like, come on! No! Right? Anyway, you will then say your act of contrition, right? And then the priest will give you a penance. Now, here's the thing about penances. Okay? Penances are not contingent on forgiveness of sins. I don't know if you knew that. Do you know what the, re- Do you know what the purpose of a penance is? Does anybody know what the purpose of a penance is? Yeah, loud. To right the wrong. wrong. Good. All you're doing is you're trying to right what you've done wrong. And so a lot of priests are just going to say three Hail Marys. Some will say, Our Father, Hail Mary, glory be. For me, I tend to use a lot of scripture. I like to use scripture to help answer or, you know, fix what you're doing wrong, how Jesus approaches it. But the penance is not, I think some people are afraid of the penances they're going to get. I give the easiest penances in the world. Why? Because I want you to be forgiven. I remember I had this one, this was many years ago when I first started being a priest. And I can't, you know, they, this guy came in and at the end of it, I'm like, you know, just say, Our Father, Hail Mary, and glory be for the souls of purgatory. And he's like, you priest. And I'm like, excuse me? And he's like, you always make it so easy. I'm like, oh, so you would like a harder penance. He's like, yeah, you bet I would. I'm like, 10,000 rosaries. He's like, well, good Lord. And I'm like, what do you want, man? Do you want to freely receive God's mercy, which he gives us from the cross by dying for us? Or do you have to earn it somehow? God wants to freely give us his love and his mercy. Right? And here's the last thing. So like, as you're, be, be conscious of time and the light. There is a light at the confessional and it's red and white. 
when it's red, that means what? Stop. The door's shut. Red means somebody's inside. Some people just come on in. I'm like, how did you not see that? If it's white, you can come in. And the last thing is this. Just be conscious of time. If it's, I have a, we have a 4 p.m. Saturday mass. If it's 3.55 and you're the last one in line for confession and the person walks out, don't walk in. Because by the time I'm done hearing your confession, the mass will have started and I am still in the confessional. I promise if you're there and I run out of time, I will come back after mass. I'll hear confessions as long as I need to. Because I desire you more than anything to be reconciled to God. And don't be afraid. It's there for your... You guys, do you realize that the sacrament of confession is like the last safe place in the world? The last sacred place in the world. I would have to go to my death before I could reveal anything that you've said there. That is sacred. And it's safe. So go there. Please be reconciled to God. During Advent, during every month of the year. And I want to close just with uh, Bishop Kagan's final line of his, his letter. He says this. It is my hope that what I have presented to you, my dear people, will be a help in deepening your knowledge and devotion of the Eucharist. Whether you are at Mass or spending time in adoration, know that he longs to be with you and you to be with him. He loves your prayers and will answer them in ways that are best for you and for the church. I hope you understand the beauty of the Eucharist, what you're receiving. And I pray that if you're in a state of sin, that you be reconciled to God. The two great sacraments that have been given to the church so that we can flourish and grow in holiness. May we never take them for granted.